0: Good morning, everybody. Somebody snuck in, I didn't see them. All right, I'm excited. How's everybody? You all good? Jasper, I'm super glad you're here, man. This has been really fun. Yes, awesome. I hope you still feel that way when we get done. Here we go. All right, we'll see what happens. So uh, just as a reminder of the last uh, couple of months, we have um, looked at the human nature of Jesus, really trying to understand uh, him as a person, but also the, the nature of his suffering and, and the way that we relate to him in our humanness and in our suffering, right? And that's been, a, for me at least, been a significant journey. And we're going to see today, as we dive into our text, yet another facet of that relationship between Jesus and his people, okay, between Jesus and you. There's some things that the Lord wants to reveal today that, it, that may not be new information for us, but I hope that we gain a new perspective. As I've thought about um, this text this week, as I've thought about our journey through chapter 2 of the book of Hebrews, this phrase that we're familiar with it comes from Scripture, and we'll look at it in just a minute, um, just kind of stuck in my mind this week, and it's beauty for ashes. Because we've spent a lot of time over the last two months thinking about, talking about, discussing with one another the ashes in our lives, And we're going to see today in our text um, that the author of Hebrews, and remember the, the, this book of Hebrews is written to Hebrew believers who accepted Jesus and as a result of that they're shunned by their families, by their, um, the people that were closest to them. They lost their jobs and were being heavily persecuted because they believed that Jesus was the Son of God, okay? And so in, in looking at this text we're going to see the author kind of make a transition, And he's been talking about Jesus and his suffering last week. Specifically, we talked about how God is perfecting us through our suffering. And that's a difficult thing to talk about. But today we're going to see a shift happen. But what we know is that life is often difficult. And and God uses those difficult times in our lives to teach us something about who he is. And about who we are, Maggie, I really appreciate that testimony this morning that His mercies are new and it's the little things that God does that reveals His character and His nature to us. And often when we're going through those things, it can seem like we're alone, but we're going to see in our text today that that is the furthest from the truth. The enemy is in our ear constantly telling us that we are the only ones that feel the way we feel. We're the only ones that are going through the things that we're going through. And we know by experience, and we know because of the last few months we have shared testimony after testimony, that we're not alone. That suffering is not unique to us, but it's a part of life. When I was younger uh, and, and I was working at Petron at that point in the company's history we had a um, emergency response team a hazmat team hazmat stands for hazardous materials and those of us that um, were on that team you were just kind of on call 24 hours a day seven days a week uh, and the purpose of that that team was we had it we hauled gasoline at that point in the company's history we if a gas station needed gas we were the ones one of the ones that delivered it and so we developed that team because often people get in accidents. And so they would, when an 18-wheeler would get an accident, whether it's tanks on the truck itself got punctured or the big tanker uh, got punctured, that's, we would go out and we would clean up those hazardous materials. And we did that for Petron, but also for a lot of other people. And one of the things that, that we noticed over time is that those things always came in sets of threes. I don't know why it worked out that way, but you'd have a long period where there'd be no, no calls. And then over the course of a month or so, you'd have boom, 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 three in a row. Uh, and, and, and they weren't fun things, okay? Let's just be clear about that. Um, all, especially for, for uh, the families of the guys that worked on that because I remember many times I would call home and say, hey, we've got a call, I gotta go. And, and Bethany would say, when are you coming home? And I'd be like, I don't know. And it wasn't because I couldn't calculate the amount of time, it's because I literally didn't know. But those things came in sets. And as I thought about this passage this week, as I thought about all the things we've talked about, isn't it often in life that things come in sets like that as well? Like I I thought about my own life, and and as you think about your life, and you think about the struggles and the trials that you've had, often it's not one thing at a time, but a series of things. And, and And I often think to myself, man, if it was just this one thing, I could deal with that. And I think there may be something in that statement. I think it may be if... There was only the one thing that we could handle it, and we wouldn't learn. What we need to learn is that we need to trust in Jesus. Read with me Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. This is where that beauty from ashes comes up. Isaiah says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Listen, Israel needed this promise. You shared this morning of of King Nebuchadnezzar, and and we know from studying the Old Testament that over and over and over again, God's people are brought into captivity, and the Lord frees them, and they're brought into captivity. And they needed that promise that one day they would be able to exchange the ashes for crowns of beauty. And church, we need that message too. My hope is today that we gain a deeper understanding of for the comfort that Jesus offers to us, his believers. As I mentioned last week, we've lived in a really weird time for the last year or more. But this experience of, of trials isn't unique to just this time period. It's something that's gonna happen over the course of our lives over and over again. I was thinking about some, some things this week, some ways that I can help us to kind of get our brains in this space. And I thought about it. I don't know if this is true in your life, but it often happens for me is um, uh, you're in a holiday season. You've spent a lot of money already. You've got people with family coming in and you're excited about all that. And your budget's already tight because of all of those things. And then a major appliance dies. Anybody else have that happen in your life? Or the car breaks down. Something, an expense that you were not expecting. And now we've got... All this extra on top of us. I thought about um, in in college, you know, finals come at the end of the year. And if you live on campus, you've got you know dead day where you study all day and all night, and then you begin that week of finals, and then what happens as soon as the last final's over? You gotta move out. You have to leave, right? And so all of that time that you really need to be focused on studying and getting those grades, you also have this added stress of oh my gosh, I have to pack up everything I own out of this dorm room and move it out of here. I thought about Brittany and Russ this week. Russ had to go to Colorado to to do two weeks of in-class teaching, and they were really excited about that, a vacation for them as well. And so the whole crew goes up there, and they get there, and Russ finds out that he has like, it's called HAPE, H-A-P-E, but basically it's like really bad altitude sickness and it can be treated, but he had to spend a night in a hospital before they figured that out. And now (laughs) Brittany texted this morning and she's developed a really bad cough. She's going to get COVID testing. And don't forget, he's there to teach, which he can't do when he's in the hospital. And then they're going to come home, be home for two weeks and they're moving to Idaho, right? Like sometimes life, we just, just gets heaped on us. And, And when we think about those things, if you think about your own life, you've, you've seen those things happen. We've heard time and time again over the last few months of God taking care of us in the midst of our trials. And we're going to see in a moment when we read our passage for today why beauty for ashes has come to mind so much for me. It's because God takes those times of difficulty and he makes them beautiful for us. I want to share with you this morning an excerpt of a message that Charles Spurgeon gave regarding this passage in Isaiah. And listen to the words he says. This is his his introduction to his message. He said, I would remind you that the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ related to mourners in Zion. He did not come into the world to exalt those who are high, to give great power to the strong, Or to clothe those who are already clad in their own righteousness. No, the Spirit of God was upon him that he might preach good tidings to the meek, that broken hearts should be bound up, captives redeemed, and prisoners released. He came with blessings for the poor, not with luxuries for the rich. This ought to be a very great subject of thanksgiving to those who are heavy of heart. And all of our talking about suffering, isn't it incredible? that those are the people that Jesus came for. Not for the, you know, we, we remember Jesus saying that he didn't come for the, those that were not sick. Doctors don't go to those that are healthy. He goes to those that are sick. That it's in the midst of our suffering when we feel like we're at our lowest that that is when Jesus is the most persistent about coming to us, not the other way around. It's significant for us to understand and be able to share with others because of the prevalent idea in our culture that we need to get ourselves right. It's so important for us to internalize and understand that the point when we're not right, that's the moment when Jesus wants to be there, not the other way around. Jesus came for us as we are. And as we're about to see, he delights in us as we are. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11-13. through 13. It says, for the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will sing hymns to you in the congregation. Again, I will trust in him. And again, here I am with the children God gave me. See, Jesus is being quoted or or the author is quoting Jesus who's quoting the Old Testament. And that would have been obvious to the church, but sometimes that's lost on us. And so I want to jump back to one of the things that he's quoting. This is the first uh, seven verses of Psalm 22. And I want us to read this, and I want us to recognize how the hearers would have identified. Put your mind in the the space where they were, or perhaps in the middle of your own struggle that you're going through right now, and listen to the words of the psalmist, and let's recognize how we identify and how they would have identified. He says, my God, my God. Why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, yet I have no rest. But you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and they trusted, and you rescued them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced, but I am a worm and not a man. Scormed by mankind and despised by people, everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. You see, they were, they were struggling. The psalmist in this moment when he is pouring his heart out onto the page is struggling with something. We don't know what it is. We know what the Hebrew church was struggling with. They've lost these loved ones, these people that they held in such high regard just immediately shunned them. In your own life, I don't know what you're going through, but often we, we read the words of these psalms and we go, man, that's how I feel. Thank you. Isn't it odd how knowing that someone else is struggling makes us feel better? Have you ever thought about that? And not, I don't think it's because we go, i huh, glad, I'm glad they're not happy, just like I'm not happy. I think it's because it makes us feel better to realize that we're not alone. I think that's why the Psalms are so encouraging, because we can read those words and go, yes. One of the great things about the Psalms is that it gives voice to our feelings. I don't know about you, but I'm not great at figuring out, A, how I feel, and B, sharing that with other people. I struggle with putting my emotions into words sometimes. And what the psalmist is describing here is what we have experienced in kind is that these are our ashes, it's those moments when life is so difficult, when the troubles are piled on and piled on and piled on, and we're going, God, I can't do it. I just can't do it anymore. But the beauty is in what Jesus says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. Look at verse 11 with me again. It says, for the one who sanctifies, that's Jesus, and those who are sanctified, that's us, all have one Father. This is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters the author is drawing our attention the church's attention to the fact that god tells us that he is our father and he's the father of jesus so what does that make us brothers and sisters right now we know that intellectually right we've we've heard that we are brothers and sisters in christ but do we recognize that in our heart do we realize it have you let that sink in that we are the brothers and sisters of Christ. Because that is significant. That is on a different level. You know, Leah was sharing this morning, and and I agree with with her, um, the way she feels sometimes about the Old Testament, that you read it and it feels like it's way back there. Like I don't necessarily relate with it. And often I think that we feel that same way about God, especially when we're going through a hard time. We think He can't possibly understand what I'm going through right now. But he's not just a God that's over there. And that's the beauty in all this, is that he is your brother. And you are his brother or his sister. In John chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus even says this himself. He says, do not cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Jesus is telling us he is our brother, he is, and we are his brothers and sisters. And often when we're struggling, we don't like people to know about that because we're worried about what they're going to think of us, right? I, I was thinking about um, the fact that, you know, filters on smartphones are a thing, right? Because you didn't know that. Like even um, iPhones, Androids, all of them, there is filtering that's built into the camera itself that you have no control over. Have you, did you know that? That's actually a thing. If you, if you go and look at yourself in the mirror, look really closely, so you're going to notice pores in your skin, wrinkles on your face, whiskers that grow in weird angles, right? But you take a selfie with a camera and you go, huh, that looks pretty good. But if you ever do this when you get home, take a, take a selfie with your phone and look at the selfie and look in the mirror and they're going to be different images. But why do filters exist? Filters exist because we have been programmed to think that how we are in our natural state is not good enough. We want to put a filter on things so that when we show other people ourselves, they see the image that we want them to see. And so we, we take that same mentality often church and we apply that to our brother who is Christ. And we put filters on our lives trying to prevent him from seeing the dark areas because there is an assumption in us that he will not accept us in our natural state. And it's just simply not true. He sees beyond those filters. The beauty of this passage is that Jesus sees us without the filters and he's not ashamed. Look at what he goes on to say in verses 12 through 13 because I want you to to take a moment and let that sink in. That Jesus sees you exactly where you are, as you are, and he is not ashamed of you. He says in verse 12, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will sing hymns to you in the congregation. Again, I will trust in him. And again, here I am with the children that God gave me. The beauty is that when the rest of the world is looking down on us, Jesus is proclaiming our names and singing our praises. Now, that's not because we are inherently good. It's because when he sees us, he sees the, the version of us that has been saved by grace. I want to be clear about that. But we know that even though we have been saved and that grace is upon us, that there is still sin in our lives. But that does not separate us from God the way that we think it, it does. Remember how we began this message today with, with what we've been talking about for a few weeks. And we, we read the first part of Psalm chapter 22, and we identified with that. But I want us to look at a section toward the end with me. Because there's something that happens in the psalmist, even in this psalm, which, I, you know, it's not lost to me. This is Psalm 22 and we just sang Psalm 23, just in case nobody noticed that. Look at what he goes on to say towards the end of Psalm. This is verse 19 through 24. It says, but you, Lord, don't be far away. My strength, come quickly to help me. Rescue my life from the sword. My only life from the power of these dogs. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of wild oxen paws. The psalmist is continuing to say, Lord, I need your help. And look at the very next line. What does he say? You answered me. We cry out to God, and our cries do not fall on deaf ears. He hears us and he answers us. And look at his response in verse 22 he said, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the assembly. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. All you descendants of Israel, revere him. For he has not despised or abhorred the torment of the oppressed. He did not hide his face from him, but listened when he cried to him for help. You see, when we're going through those hard times, what we need is to hear from the Lord. We're reminded of of the message that God gave us a few weeks ago that when we are struggling, what we need is not relief. What we need is a revelation. What we need is to hear from the Lord to let Him speak into our lives where we are. The beauty that comes from ashes of our trials is that we know Jesus better than we did before. Because He has walked with us, that He stepped down into the sin that is our lives and said I love you and I will walk with you through this until we get to the other side when life gets difficult we need to follow the example of the psalmist we need to keep pursuing God for the revelation that you need in your life we need to continue I love Michelle's testimony this morning that for six years she has been praying for the same thing and the Lord has begun to answer that prayer we are so accustomed to to instant things You know, I'm at at the office and our internet is amazing and just about any website you click on immediately loads and there's a couple of websites I have to use for work and on their end the internet is horrible and it takes forever and it drives me insane. Because I have to like click a button and go get a cup of coffee and come back and it might have loaded the page, but it's not on our end, it's on theirs. We've been so trained that when we ask for something, when we demand something, that it should be given to us immediately with no delay. God doesn't work for us, and that's not how he works often in our lives, because if he just did immediately what we asked, we wouldn't learn anything. We wouldn't learn what it means to pursue something. If you never had to wait, you wouldn't understand pursuit, right? When the troubles of life come down on you, remember that Jesus, your brother, loves you. He's proud of you, and he wants to help you. Don't settle for just relief. Ask God to work in a way that causes you to want to respond as the psalmist did. Where you cannot wait to tell people in your life, let me tell you what Jesus just did. Let me tell you what's going on in my life. All of us need the encouragement to keep moving forward. And and church, our life groups do such a great job of that. Of encouraging us to, to keep going forward when life gets tough. And in following God's leading, we brought some of that encouragement into this time on Sunday mornings. And it has been such a blessing, not just for me, but for you. You've told me that. You've shared that testimony. When you're experiencing the Lord's working in your life, don't just tell your church family, though. Don't leave those testimonies just for this time on Sundays or just when you're meeting in life group. Bring that into your everyday life. When you're at work and the Lord begins to speak to you through a circumstance, share that with the people around you. The testimony of what God's doing in our life is one of the greatest tools that we have. When we think about the early church, there are two things that come to mind. One, the church taking care of each other really, really well. And the other is them sharing the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. God used that to draw people into himself. And God wants to use that in your life. Don't think that those testimonies, that those things that God's doing in your life are only appropriate to share and hear. There are going to be people in your life who the Lord is working in their life, the Holy Spirit is drawing them in, and you're going to have opportunities to share what God is doing in your life. And that's how we share the gospel. That's how we share the truth about who Jesus is, is by sharing those stories of what God is doing, that that here I am in the middle of this really difficult time where I feel like I'm all alone. And the Lord spoke in, and he, He stepped in, and He answered my prayers. He heard my cry, and He spoke to it. Testimony for God making beauty out of ashes in our lives is an incredibly powerful testimony. And it's one that this world needs to hear. We know how good it has been for us to be open, to be honest, to be vulnerable about the difficulties that are going on in our lives, to, to pull some of those filters back in our life groups, and to really be honest and open about what's going on. And the rest of the world needs that too. They need to see that God can take ashes and make them beautiful that in the middle of the difficulties that they're walking through, that the Lord wants to be there with them, that He wants to be their brother, and that He wants to guide them through those difficult times. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so grateful that You are in our midst, that we aren't left walking through life alone. Jesus, it is incredible that that we are... We are considered co-heirs to your kingdom. Father, that you you would love us enough, that you would think highly enough of us to bring us into that family of yours. God, as we are walking through this week, Lord, I ask that you would make that more and more evident to us. And Father, that you would give us opportunities to share that truth, that message with the people around us that are struggling and need to hear it. Father, teach us to see ourselves the way that you see us. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Go ahead and stand.